We're in Romans chapter 12. Begin reading in verse number 1 of Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. <clears throat> we are looking at Romans 12. <clears throat> we finished up from Romans 11, <clears throat> back in verse 26. The nation of Israel got their name from Jacob, who was uh, Abraham's grandson, and God changed Jacob's name to Israel. He had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes, and they were taught to worship the one true God in the midst of nations that had multiple gods. <clears throat> Israel failed sometimes in flirting with that themselves, but uh, what they were taught was to worship one true God. The nation was a testimony to the nations around them of God's blessings because they saw how God blessed Israel. He protected them as a small nation against nations that were much larger in size and from issues and problems and supplied their needs. They were chosen to receive the word of God by the prophets and to preserve the word of God for us, to write the Old Testament scriptures and compile the books into the arrangement that they are in. And uh, all of this was something God used with Israel. Also, they were the nation through which the Messiah came, Christ. And uh, all of these things God used them in. Now we're in the age of the church, and Paul's writing in chapter 12 to both Jew and Gentile together in the church. And he gives a plea for personal consecration. To use yourself as a living sacrifice, the practical application of what we've learned in the past. Based on what we've learned, therefore, now give ourselves to God in service. Uh, after the foundation of doctrine comes duty. After revealing or revelation comes responsibility. After principles that were taught comes the practice of those things, how we are to put them into our life. Back in chapter 1, verse 17, Paul quoted from Habakkuk 2, 4, about the just shall live by faith. Or you can say it, turn it around and say, by faith the just shall live. That's the emphasis of what is being taught. And Paul revealed our life and character in the first part of Romans is based on the doctrines of the Word of God. And now he deals with the conduct that we ought to have as a result of these teachings. In chapter 12, 1, we have the therefore. 
I beseech you therefore, in um, chapter 5 of Romans and verse 1, um, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 8 and verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So we have the, the therefore of, of, uh, of uh, sanctification and justification and now consecration or dedication of ourself unto the Lord. First comes salvation, then growing in sanctification. There's a part of sanctification that happens the moment you get saved. You are cleansed of your sin, declared holy before God. But there's a growth part of sanctification that the more we learn, the more we should separate ourselves unto God and away from the things of the world. But ultimate sanctification does not happen until we go to heaven and get that new body Brother Rob was talking about. And thanks be to God, we all look forward to that. So salvation, and then sanctification, and then service. For those who are saved and sanctified, should, it should be a common thing for us to serve the Lord because of all that he has done for us. In chapters 1 through 8, Paul revealed that we receive the righteousness of God in salvation through Christ. Now we can to begin to experience that righteousness in how we live from day to day. And it be a part of our daily life. Paul um, talked about walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. And he used that in Galatians to uh, compare with the flesh and the spirit. And how that we should walk in the spirit and we would not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now he revealed the failure of the Jews to accept faith as the basis of righteousness and the self-will of the Jews in trying to obtain their own righteousness through the law and the commands, and not through Jesus Christ. And we have many people today who try to earn salvation by religious works, through uh, good deeds, through giving money, through um, various kinds of religions that do not teach Salvation by grace through faith, as the Bible teaches. And there's the same kind of dangers that Israel found their self in the trap of. We see the foundation principles of Christian consecration in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The appeal not to go astray, the appeal to dedicate ourselves more and more in the commitment of a daily life. We see the little breakdown like an outline here in, in number five and six, Christian consecration and, and uh, relation to the church and each other and to the nation and our obedience to it and our motivation and obedience and love in verse 11 through 14. Let's go back to verse chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We have the priesthood of the believer... As a priesthood of believers, we offer spiritual sacrifices. We offer the praise of our lips to God, just like a priest offering sacrifices. And we offer first, this is really what comes first, is that we offer ourselves unto God, our bodies unto Him. And if we do that, then we will also offer our works and our praise and all of that. The principles of consecration. 
Every building is built on a foundation. Likewise, practical consecration rests on the foundation of the principles that we've been taught in Romans 1 through 11. Now, Paul's heart is seen in his appeal. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I plead with you. I make an earnest appeal to you. Um, I like old Dr. J. Vernon McGee. It was on the radio many, many, many years through the Bible. He also pastored a church. He was a lot different in his preaching than he was in his teaching through the Bible. He's a pretty strong, fundamental preacher. But he is uh, through the Bible, read, read a passage of scripture and expound what was there. And he'd always say, my beloved. You know, let me speak to you today now, my beloved. And Paul is appealing to his beloved of the church at Rome that they would offer themselves as living sacrifices unto God. Now I got a couple of errors you'll probably find in here. One is coming up here. Uh, his heart is seen in the appeal, I beseech you. Paul taught an appeal to listeners and exhorted with, it should be without commandments. Without commandments like Moses. Paul didn't give commands like Moses. Paul gave um, exhortations and appeals and, and direction and teaching and all that sort of thing. In verse 1 of chapter 12, the ground of consecration is similar as it is in Ephesians 4.1, but therefore connects with all that's been taught in the previous verses, Paul reveals a unity between doctrine and duty of how we live. Our behavior is a revelation of what we believe. We behave like we believe. It shows what we really believe, how we behave. If we don't live right, then can we profess to be a Christian? We know the Lord is our Savior and we live for the Lord, we may stumble, we may falter, but we're not going to be happy there if we really know the Lord is our Savior. We're going to confess our sins and forsake our sins. Our behavior should be a revelation of what we believe. Um, we show by our actions what it is that we believe from the Scriptures. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... Now, the mercies are those things that have been taught in the previous verses. Justification included pardon of sin and removal of sin and being declared righteous. That's mercies of God that he's given to us, that, that act of justification. Identification with Christ, that we've been taken out of Adam and we're now in Christ. In Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. The dispensation of grace and not under the law. There is no condemnation because the Holy Spirit lives within us declaring us holy and sanctified before God. We have um, help in our infirmities, in present sufferings, how we live. We have the help of God. These are a part of the mercies of God that Paul has been teaching us about. We have uh, divine election. As a believer, it goes so far that God looks upon us as if we're already glorified. And that is a future thing that will happen when we get a new body, when we go home to be with the Lord. Those he called, he glorified. There's no separation from the love of God for the believer. 
And we have confidence in God's faithfulness to help us as his children. And all of these are the mercies of God that that Paul's been teaching in chapter 1 through 11. Now our consecration or appeal for it is voluntary. We are to present our bodies. And that word present is just like back in Leviticus in these two passages, chapter 1 verse 3 and chapter 16 verse 7. The priest came to present the sacrifice on behalf of the person who brought the sacrifice. In the burnt offering, there was a way for the believer to present the sacrifice to represent himself. That would be a burnt sacrifice. And present in Romans 6.13, the same word is translated yield that we're to yield ourselves unto God and not unto the flesh or to sin. So that yielding is presenting. The same word in the, in the Greek language is used and translated differently. We yield or present ourselves in the same way that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple on the eighth day after his birth, that he would be circumcised and named. And they took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as was required of the Hebrew people of every male child that came forth from the womb, was to be presented unto God to be declared holy before the Lord. Now keep your bookmark here in Romans and turn to Colossians chapter 1 and verse Number 28, Colossians 1 and verse 28 says, Whom we preach, speaking of Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So we will be presented to the Lord and we will be Um, declared acceptable to God because of our relationship to Jesus Christ. So the sacrifice is to be uh, offered voluntarily. It's also to be offered completely. We're to present our body. Our body, soul, and spirit is housed in the body. And so we're presenting our whole being, our whole self unto the Lord. It is a sacrifice that is living, that is holy, and that is acceptable unto God. Because we're redeemed by Christ, we can be consecrated just like offering the burnt offering in Leviticus. Those that had been through the Passover had been cleansed through the offering of the lamb. The burnt offering that they presented unto God was a representation of themselves that was uh, being the sacrifice. Our life in Christ is holy and acceptable to God, and we present ourselves in that desire that we would be in God's service as one who is holy and acceptable unto the Lord. It's a willful presentation for service. It's also practical, the Scripture says. It's practical for us to do this because we're not saved by works, but we're saved to work. Back in Ephesians chapter 2, 
verse 8. Many of you have this committed to memory. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So as believers, we are saved that we might be a part of the good works of God and that we might bring glory to the Lord and be a help and a blessing to others as well. Paul wrote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So this is rational. It's reasonable for us to do this. It's logical because a sincere thinker sees all that God has done for me, what can I now do for God? And that is we can serve Him and please Him to the best of our ability. It's the appropriate thing for us as believers to do, to yield ourselves to God for service. You don't have to uh, take on a, a load in the church, but you should look for that place that God can use you in service. Um, the demand of consecration in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the demand of consecration, first of all, is negative. Be not conformed. The word conformed has a Latin prefix, con. Con means with. Do not be formed with this world we live in. Don't be patterned or shaped after what is in this world. First John tells us this world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of, of man. It is sinful, this world. We're not love this world, neither the things of this world. And so we must be careful not to be patterned after this world. Our young people grow up, they like to pattern themselves after heroes, um, young boys usually want to be a baseball player or a football player, you know. Um, Diane, <laughs> we talk about Diane Ferguson today breaking her shoulder. Her daughter, Rachel, would tell me, she's Preacher Patrick, I'm going to be a football player. And uh, she didn't get to be a football player, but she played soccer all the way through Westminster High School, you know. And she'd knock those boys down playing soccer. She was tough, and uh, she wanted to do that. And um, we are not to conform ourselves or be shaped or molded after this present evil world. You ladies sometimes make a cake with a bunt pan. You pour that batter in that pan, and when you dump it out, it takes the shape of that pan. And many people in this world are being shaped after the celebrities and the heroes and the movie stars and all of that sort of thing to live their life after. And as Christians, we should seek to pattern our life after God's plan for us and God's will for us. Um, we must be strong and be a nonconformist to this world. Then there's the positive aspect. We are to be transformed. The word trans is a Latin prefix. It means away from. We're to be patterned away from this world 
after Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, we saw that God is using the Holy Spirit and all of the events that happen in our life to help shape us and mold us to become more and more like Jesus Christ, that he might see his image in us. They tell me that uh, the ancient days they would boil the, the ore to get the silver and the gold out of it, and they would keep heating it and use a skimming tool to skim off the dross, the dirt and the rock and all of that from the gold or the silver until the silversmith or goldsmith could see his image in the liquid metal. Then he knew it was ready to be poured out to be stamped with Caesar's insignia on it as a coin to be used. And we are going through the tests and trials and fires of life shaping us and molding us and burning away the impurities that God can see his image in us, that we are ready for his service and for his use. So we're being transformed, formed away from this world by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our minds? Well, you came to church tonight. We started out with a season of prayer and song. We gave praise and song. We offered prayer unto God and appeal for others. And now you're listening to the word of God to, to gain something from it. All of these things are helping in that aspect of your life where you are yielding yourself to God to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then when you do your personal reading of the Bible, that renewing of the mind takes place by the Word of God. The negative, be not conformed. The positive, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We submit our thought life to the Spirit in the Word when we read the Word of God and ask for God to speak to us through His Word, guide us, teach us, enlighten us so that we get what we need from that passage of Scripture that we are reading. We are given discernment for what is good and true. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So our thought life is right, our, our actions will follow. We see the effects of consecration here is to prove, to put to the test and to show what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God known to the public world is approved. We are given discernment to know right from wrong. And as we live and teach and serve and deal with the public in honesty and truthfulness, these are characteristics people expect of us as Christians. Uh, I hope they don't expect more of us than we expect of ourselves that we should expect to be those people that have a testimony in dealing with people in business or in friendship. The practical result will be done the will of God. That is something that can be enjoyed that we're doing the will of God. It can be appreciated. It can be acceptable unto God. 
The basis for holy living is the revealing of God's word to us that we might know how we are to live and what it is God would have us to do. It is not always for a young Christian the easiest thing to discern specifically the will of God for your life. It takes time. It takes study. It takes walking with the Lord. Um, I remember when Joy and I got saved and just a short time later, matter of a couple of months, I felt God dealing with my heart about the ministry and I resisted it. I prayed. I wept. I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to go to the Bible college and, and do something wrong. I didn't, want, I didn't feel worthy and, and I, I was concerned about it. And so I sought the mind of God about what to do. I finally came to that point of surrendering myself and yielding myself to go and do that and felt that if it wasn't what God would have me to do, he'd put a stop to it. He'd show me what he would have me to do. And so um, all glory, praise, and honor belongs to the Lord. He's the one that gives us the gifts. He's the one that enlightens us. He's the one that guides us and helps us. And he does this that he might receive glory himself. We are trophies of his grace that God has reached in the pit of sin and washed us in the blood of Christ and set our feet on the solid rock and has placed his spirit within us. And now if we do serve the Lord, it's all to his honor and to his glory. The last outcome of holy living is transformation. That we grow to maturity so that our life is changed. So that we're different from what we were before we knew the Lord. We uh, will stop here tonight. Verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. People in church, as we do have abilities that God has given us to serve in capacities, it's easy for us to begin to look to the flesh and take pride in what we're doing. We, um, it's a human problem that we, as long as we have this body, we're going to try to find a way that we exalt self, that we like to be boasted about. We like to to have people put us in the limelight and that sort of thing. And Paul's warning the church at Corinth about that, I mean church at Rome about that, that they have a right relationship with God, and if they do, they'll have a right relationship with their brethren. And in the church, that they will serve the Lord in humility and in diversity of gifts and in harmony together to bring honor and glory to the Lord. So thanks be to God for his word and how it works in our lives. May we too desire to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. If we do that first, then our walk in service, God will make it clear to us in what he will have us to do. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people. I ask your blessings upon them. Protect them as they travel home. We uh, again lift this list of people to you. Diane Huddler with this urgent need about the bleeding. Diane Ferguson with finding out tomorrow whether she'll have surgery or not. Daryl Barentine going to have a cancer uh, treatment with uh, chemotherapy before the month is out. 
Sue with surgery on her hand. And Lord, several of our men with AFib in the heart. Jimmy's going to have this oblation. And um, John Woodall and Dick with AFib also. So Lord, we're dependent on you to help our people, make them well, raise them up, encourage them while they're going through what they're going through, provide for their needs, we ask. And we pray for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.